In the dynamic tapestry of Los Angeles, Sherman Perryman emerges as a captivating force embodying resilience and empowerment. As the founder of the militant grind, Perryman's journey began in the unassuming aisles of his church, selling cookies and sharing essential lessons of grit and commerce. His educational surgeons at Morehouse College and the USC Ross program in real estate not only honed his academic acumen, but laid the foundation for a future marked by real-world salvi and scholarly insights. Featured prominently in the docuseries Black Business Los Angeles, Perryman exemplifies Black entrepreneurial excellence, often overshadowed by the city's grandeur. Beyond his business acumen, he is an author with From Grits to Greatness, harnessing the five pillars of the militant grind, encapsulating his holistic philosophy for success. Perryman's leadership of militant grind transcends mere branding. It's a movement beckoning individuals to recognize and unleash their latent potential. Through his unwavering pursuit, Perryman stands as more than an entrepreneur. He's a catalyst for enduring transformative change, inspiring action, and symbolizing the boundless possibilities of the unwavering spirit. Join me in welcoming Sherman. You are listening to the Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur. Hi, Sherman. Thank you so much for coming on the Disruptive Minds Podcast today. Uh, we're really excited to talk about motivation and finding your why. Uh, I know that's an area that you're expertise really lies in yeah yeah it does so uh what's your background and uh could you let the listeners know a little bit about what you do okay so i'm a um, lifestyle mindset as well as a fitness coach and my background is financial services so i started in the mortgage industry right out, out of high school in 2005 and my whole goal was just to help people and get paid greatly for it so, <laughs> so as I got in the industry, as well as like other sales jobs, I started noticing that it's not really about the individual and helping the individual. It was more so just hitting the numbers. And so since I've always had like a high morale due to my religious background and treating others how I would like to be treated, I kind of had like a uncomfortable feeling with some of the companies and some of the people that I worked for because I felt like it just wasn't within my purpose, you know? It's really important that people find something that works for them. That's that's a good fit. And if you're going to do something for 40 years, you better like it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. You have to like it. Definitely. So I'm not the type of individual to really be motivated by money. I ended up discovering that even though I always wanted to make money just growing up and wanted to be a businessman. I'm more so motivated on how I can impact and help different individuals. So with that being said, I started doing taxes and I started in like 2011. I've been doing it for over 10 years and I love doing it because I could actually help people get money and save money on their taxes. So I, you know, I thrived at that. I started that after I got laid off um, from working at Wells Fargo. So then I was like, hey, I want to start something, but I want to do something where I can actually help people make money and it's within my wheelhouse. So I just went full throttle with my tax business in and I just took off. Yeah, taxes is something where you can 
really help a lot of people because a lot of people don't know what they're doing, right? They're right. just filling out forms and they're going online and turbo taxing it. And they, they, they really don't, you know, know too much about the area. So it's an area where you can both educate, right? You can get them a little bit more money back if, you know, that's something that's possible. And, you know, you can overall just do a good job of serving the person rather than, you know, making this cold exchange with a form. So one of the things you've been talking about so far has been motivation, right? Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, what do you define motivation as? And where do you think it comes from? Um, I feel like it comes from your, your, your core values and your core being, because I feel like a lot of people expect other people to be motivated based off of what's valuable to them. But that's not really the case. So me, you know, a lot of people think that I just started my workout journey and, you know, I'm I'm just now taking it serious. And the guy um, actually contacted me a, a couple hours ago. He was like, yeah, were you ever struggling with weight? And I was like, no, I was never fat and I was always fit and I was always in shape. But that's because that has always been a part of my passion ever since I was a child. You know, and while everyone else, you know, that that just became like a new trending thing. But for me, it's always been at the core. But then I've noticed that just because something is, you know, valuable for me and I'm motivated by it doesn't mean that everyone else has to be motivated by it and feel the same thing as well or the same passion, you know. So I just feel like as long as you just know what you want, what you like, and you're very brutally honest with yourself about that, you should just figure out what you, what you can do to actually achieve that goal as well as just doing whatever it takes. Yeah. I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and he basically drew a chart, right? It was four squares and the top square on the left was things you know about yourself, right? Then across from that was things other people know about you. Right. And then below that, there was things that neither you or the other person know about. And then things that the other person knows about you that you don't know about you. And mm -hmm. I think what you just touched on here is a, a really interesting point because there's a degree of honesty that has to happen, right? Right. Which means that there has to be introspection, right? You have, you have to sit back and actually find out what is it that I want and why do I want it? Right. And that's, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do because they spend all day worried about these external things and rarely do they sit back and start asking themselves those difficult questions. So the reason I bring up this quadrant is the idea that this is something that could be hidden from both you and the outside. Like you said, some people, you know, want to put their own values and their own motivations on other people and expect that's how, you know, they're going to get motivation. They're going to get high quality work. But what's really important is if you don't know what motivates you, you have to go through a journey of discovering what does motivate you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Because I will often think like, why would someone want to, you know, spend an hour and a half, two hours of their day inside of a gym beating themselves up? You know, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I was like, you know, you like it. But it's very hard for, you know, the average person 
to be consistent at something like that, you know, and say average, but then it's just average within that realm, you know, because I don't feel like anyone is like really average. People are great at, you know, whatever they choose to be great at. But then it's like, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, rowing a boat isn't for everybody. Playing basketball isn't for everybody. So it's like, why would I expect someone to just to do this? Because I, I like it, you know? But then I also feel like anyone should, well, everyone should figure out some type of physical activity to do. Like I hate jogging and I hate running, but I do it. But then it's like, you know, there's some people that wake up and they enjoy running eight miles a day. Like they love it. That That's their thrill. But as long as they're being physically active for their health and I am as well, you know, that's okay. So like we said before, it's just figuring out, you know, what you really want. And then being honest with yourself, like if you don't like the fact that your stomach is sticking out and you're overweight and that makes you feel, you know, um, a depressing emotion, then you should be honest with yourself about that and figure out how you could actually solve that issue or that problem in the most effective way. You know, if I, if I don't like something about myself and I have the power to change it, I should. And you should as well if you don't like something about yourself. So that's where that's where I feel like the main motivation does come from. You know, you have to be honest with you. Don't give yourself any slack. Don't give yourself any excuses and then just push forward. Yeah, I, I wish I could be that guy who gets up at 4 a.m. and runs seven miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man, trust me. I, I mean, I woke up at 4 a.m. to train for the Spartan race you know, was waiting for them to open the gym. And, you know, it was just me and probably 10 other people in there every single day in like a huge gym. But, you know, I noticed that everyone just has different things to do. Everyone has, you know, someone might've got off at 11, so they can't make it at that time. Or, you know, we we all just have different, you know, things, things in our lives that'll prevent us from doing it. But then I do say that you can find some time out of your day to do some type of physical activity. Even if you do like an hour or lose an hour of sleep, you could find you could find some time. Yeah. So something we, we've kind of glanced on here with all this is the idea of a why, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if you're the reason you want to do something is different than somebody else's, or somebody might consider it stupid or pointless. The fact is there's one uniting thing through motivation and goals, and that is that everybody has a reason they're doing their goal, right? Right. Whether that goal is, you know, to be in shape, whether that goal is for health, right? Or whether that person is trying to win the world powerlifting competition, right? All three of those are valid reasons to be in that gym at 4 a.m., right? right? But they are all very different sources of motivation. So Mm -hmm. why do you think finding your why is so important? Because your why is your real reason, it's something that you should always lean on when you are feeling unmotivated. Like, why do you want to get up and go to work? <laughs> well, like, why do you want to drink water and eat food every day? You know, like we could find a, a why in almost everything that we do in life. But then I feel like if, if your why isn't strong enough, you're also not going to feel as motivated to do whatever task that it is. So finding that why, a strong why, is very powerful. Like one of my whys for, you know, physical activity and, you know, being in shape and being healthy is because my, uh, my maternal grandfather died at 50 years old and I never met him. And I've, you know, he was a a pretty big guy in Chicago, 
And it hurt my feelings that I never met my grandfather because he died of a heart failure. So now I'm like, you know, with me with kids and he left behind, you know, like uh, young kids and also older kids as well. And me being a father, I'm like, wow, I couldn't imagine leaving my child when they're 12, 13 or, you know, still in their teenage years and not being able to see my grandkids because of my health, you know, and my aunt, his daughter told me that, you know, we don't have the best history when it comes to um, to our health and our family. So make sure that you treat your body right and you do the right thing. And that's a very powerful why for me, you know, like I would love to, I, I wouldn't want my grandchildren and my children to feel, you know, feel the the loss of my presence on this earth because of health issues, because that's, that's something that I can control. Now, if I, you know, get in a tragic accident or something like that, okay, hey, whatever, that's the roll of the dice. But when it comes to health, if I can control it, then I need to just so I could be around for my family. Yeah, it's really important to find that motivation that you can just go back to again and again, and that it can really be like a grounding or foundational point. And I, I like the idea that at the end, you kind of threw out the idea there of controlling what you can control, right? Controlling the variables right. that are within your reach because not everything is in your control, right? Not everything is going to go perfect. Right. Yeah. But there are certain things that you can control. And if you have this why centering your decision-making process, centering your motivation, centering your overall drive, you can overcome a lot of those smaller hurdles uh, that are in your control. Right. Right. Yep. Like, like you might not be predisposed to being able to run 30 miles, but you know, you might really like playing basketball. Mm -hmm. So you can go, I need to get cardio. I'm not really a big runner. That's, you know, I just, my joints can't do it. I can't really control that, but there's other ways that I can get active. I can get mobile and you can overcome hurdles. Right. Right. Yeah. So That's correct. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. So how do you keep focused on your goals once you set them? Right. How, how is it that you're able to take some of these long-term goals that might take months, years, decades to achieve and stay on that true north, right? Like, how is it that, you know, we have your, we have our why, we have something we want to achieve. Now, how do we make sure that we stay true to that why? And how do we make sure that we achieve that goal? Well, I would like to mention, um, you know, you, you, you did say your true north. So I did read a book called Discover Your True North. And I'm not sure if you read it, but that actually is the title of a book. And, and, and that book, it basically tells us that, you know, when we're children, we initially know what we want to do in the world. But then as we grow up, society molds us into being different or picking different career paths. Right. So uh, I told my wife yesterday, like growing up, I always wanted to be a, a lawyer. You know, like I, I was a lawyer for Halloween, like a weirdo, you know, <laughs> as a kid. But then I started learning that that came from me wanting to advocate for people and being more empathetic towards, uh, you know, causes and things like that. Like I've always been a pretty empathetic person when it comes to, uh, you know, social economic classes, social disruptions and things like that. And so 
now, you know, after, you know, growing up and picking different career paths, I'm like, hold on, I could still, you know, harness my true north about being an advocate for people. Um, but just in a different way, like with what I'm doing now with mental health and mindset coaching and things like that, because I feel like that's a, that's a big need now, you know? So mm -hmm. me being able to visualize my future, visualize how I want my future to end out and also know that this is a part of my core being, that's what keeps me more on track than anything, you know? Cause it's like, if you can't see yourself doing anything else and being happy, then it's easier for you to focus on what you're doing that does make you happy and doesn't feel like work. Because often, you know, I would take on jobs and I'll be talented at it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I feel like a robot. Like I cannot do repetitive things like that, you know, but some people would try to manipulate me and be like, you know, no, just do this every day, every day, every day, something's going to come. And I'm like, I'm not that type of person. Like, maybe this just isn't for me because I don't like it. And I, and me trying to psych myself out to like something that I don't like has always been a great disservice for me. And, you know, while uh, with that being said, I would figure out that I'm more so a creative that does business. So I'm a very creative person. I, I love to create. I've been creative ever since I was a child. I would draw in my room for hours or, you know, I love art and my, even like my tattoos. Every time I go to my tattoo artist, I always wow him on <laughs> um, the tattoos that I decide to get because there's nothing that he ever has done before. Right. And so with that, I'm like, OK, let me figure out, you know, my true personality, not the avatar that I wanted to create and bring in the world and actually um actually you know figure out what that person could do to be happy because a lot of times we we recreate ourselves to be the people that we actually aren't you know like we have masks it's like okay in order to be you know a, a real estate agent you have to do this this and this you have to be like this type of person but the person that's successful always was that type of person you know that was just yeah. them and now we're recreating ourselves to be more like that person and wondering why we're failing so I see a lot of coaches, you know, they end up being uh, the, their mentees end up mimicking them. And I could actually like sense that I'm like, wow, you're really trying to emulate the person that's successful. But the person that's successful is being themselves and you're recreating yourself to be somebody else. And I could smell the inauthenticity. You know, I could smell it like I've always been good at picking up people that were not authentic just because I've actually been around people that were really them. So as I say, you know, growing up in LA, I was around a lot of gang members, right? And so mm -hmm. my friends that were gang members were really gang members. I'm talking like they did the lowest of the low when it comes to that. So if I come around somebody else that tries to perpetrate that lifestyle, them not knowing who I am and like where I come from or the sense of person that I am, I'm like, well, no, I could sense that you're not really like this, you know, because I've actually really been around it and I could pick up the traits of people that are like this. Or if you say that, oh, yeah, I run a business, I could pick that in authenticity up. So in order for people to, uh, you know, I just feel like authenticity is probably like the best thing that anyone could do for themselves when it comes to staying motivated and being successful, because as long as you have that, 
and you really pick yourself together without giving yourself a mask or trying to be tough or trying to be this or trying to be whatever to be successful, when you can be really you at the end of the day and be successful, I feel like that's the most motivating thing in the world. Yeah, I was I was thinking about how you said children sometimes know what they want to be or at least have an idea of their what they're good at and what their competencies are. And then as we go through life, people get distracted and pulled away from the things that, you know, they're naturally inclined to, right? Mm -hmm. And what it made me think of is like the idea of, you know, the cliche of follow your dreams, right? If I wanted to build a house, right? I don't start by just going to the store and buying a bunch of two by fours because I saw some carpenter do that the other day, right? right? What I do is I sit down and I go, how many rooms do I want in this house? Do I want a walk-in closet or do I want a laundry room on my second floor? Do I want a tub and a shower or just a shower, right? And you go through all this stuff and you you think about the, you know, the house you want to live in, right? The house you want to build. Right. And then you work backwards and piece by piece, you know, task by task, you assemble a house that looks pretty close to the thing you envisioned, right? You're going to make some tweaks along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might end up dropping a closet or you might end up changing out, you know, the configuration of cabinets from what you originally drew up. But you're going to end up with something pretty close to what you set out to build. And right. it makes me wonder that if, more people didn't get distracted by everything going on around them if the vision they would have at the end of the day, right, of what they want to look like when they're 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. at the peak of their career, at the peak of their life, would it be very different than the path that they're going on because they're busy following somebody else's dream? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely do feel that way. Because even if you don't want to have the six, but like some people, they have a vision of a house and they're just like, hey, I'm a simple person. I just want one bedroom and a bathroom and a living room and I'm okay. You Mm -hmm. know, and then there's somebody like me like, man, I want six bedrooms for my kids and, you know, and office for me. And, you know, and then I and then here's me going to the person I only wants one bedroom and I'm ostracizing them like, man, why don't you want why don't you want to do it bigger? Why don't you want? And they're like, I don't want to maintain that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to clean up that big house. You know, like they they have their reasons on why they don't want to. And then I have my reasons on why I would want that. Both of them make sense. You know, both of them are okay. But then it's like, and neither one is wrong, you know, right. at the end of the day. So it's like, we're not wrong. It's just our prerogative and our preference. But in America, you know, the way we've been um, the way we've been advertised to and the way uh, everything is commercialized, it's like there's a sense of guilt for not wanting bigger, better and extravagant and luxurious things. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, how come you don't want it's like, oh, well, I just like to drive my 1995 Ford car. You know, I don't know. You know, but then that yeah. person also has like a huge house or something like that. Like everyone puts their values in something different. And, you know, now that I'm, you know, now that I'm older, I'm mature and I just talk to different people from all walks of life. I figured that out, you know, and I, I feel like we'll be a lot 
better um you know as far as humanity wise is as long as we just accept people for who they are what they have and what they want out of life you know yeah the idea of not projecting your values and your your wants your needs your Mm -hmm. your motivations onto other people right right i think this is one of your big points is that it's okay to have a motivation that's different than somebody else or right. that somebody else thinks is weird or even right. possibly wrong. Right. Like, like the example you gave, I can't believe that there's anybody who wants to live in a studio apartment, right. but there's <laughs> somebody out there dreaming of living in a studio apartment. That's 300,000, you know, 300 square feet in Manhattan purely because it's in a nice neighborhood and they don't have to clean it. Right. Yep. And that, and that's their, that's their dream, you know, yep. <laughs> and, yep. you know, there, there's people out there. If you've ever looked at any, like the New York house hunter things, it's, there's people out there and it just, yeah. it doesn't add up, but you know, for them, that's a perfectly reasonable goal. Yeah. And you know, there's people out there that pursue art, right? There's people out there that pursue music and they dedicate years and years and years of their lives to the pursuit of their craft and very few of them are rewarded Mm -hmm. but many many people justify that route and you know there is something to be said about somebody who can spend 20 years dedicated to a craft bettering themselves and achieving something even if that something is not something that most of us want to achieve so I, i i think it's really interesting that you know, the, the idea that we project our own motivations and our own interests onto others and that that can sometimes disguise our own motivations from ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because we try to put this universal one-size-fits-all thing together with motivation. Right. So when you feel yourself falling off the motivation bandwagon, how do you get back on, right? Like you feel yourself falling off the horse, you're starting to slip, you're starting to get sloppy. You know, what brings you back to that true north? And what do you think is a really good uh, tip or way to think about uh, being consistent and overcoming failure? Um, well, when I do feel that happening, I know that it's for a reason. And sometimes it's just that I just probably need to rest, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, wind down a bit because due to the fact that it is my true North and it is something that I want, I'm not going to break from it, but in order to be consistent, as far as working towards it, you know, and I'm feeling unmotivated, it's like, okay, maybe I just need to take a day off. Maybe I need to not look at my phone for a few hours. Maybe I need to rest. Maybe I need to reflect. Because that's probably, you know, what my body is telling me to do, you know? So if I'm feeling tired, you know, I just, I just say, Hey, you know, I'm feeling worn out. You need to take a break. And not that that, you know, that, I mean, we probably, you know, sometimes we do need balance, but sometimes the skills are going to be tipped more towards you being extremely productive. So there isn't quite much balance, but then uh, one thing I do know is that we do need to be extremely productive and work but then with that become you know you get tired and sometimes you get tired you get burnt out then you know you may think oh i don't want to do this anymore and that's just basically your body protecting yourself or your mind protecting itself from exhaustion you know but now i identify that and i say 
for me, if I'm feeling tired or worn down, I don't make decisions when I am feeling those type of emotions. So I don't make any important decisions when I'm, you know, when I'm like that. I say if somebody's contacting me and they want to talk and I know it's about something important and I'm feeling tired, I will probably just wait a couple hours until I have the energy because you definitely don't want to make a decision when you're tired or worn out, you know, especially a decision not to uh, not to continue what you've been doing and being productive, you know. So that's the way that's just that's just the method that I, I do for myself. It's like, OK, I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling groggy. Oh, man, at this moment, I don't want to work out. But who knows how I would feel after I eat my breakfast, drink my coffee, you know, rest a little bit, you know, do this, do that. Eat my second meal. I might have the energy to get up and go to the gym after this. You know, so I'm just very careful on when I make those type of decisions and how I'm feeling at the time I am making decisions. So what you're saying is make your best decisions and put your most valuable time into things when you are feeling your best and when you're feeling, you know, tip top shape, like use those top moments of your day or your week to achieve the things that are most important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you don't have to be like tip top, but you know, at least like reasonable, like if you know, you're not in the best mood, you shouldn't make a decision on, you know, work or anything like that because it's going to screw it up, you know? So it is, you know, you, you know, yourself, I know myself, so you should just, you know, I don't know. Cause if I'm feeling aggy or anything like that, I might make a decision like, Oh my God, why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Mm -hmm. You know? So just barely, it's really based on the personality type. But for me, it's just, you know, I'm, you know, it just depends on when and how I'm feeling. I'll, I'll stop and remind myself like, no, calm down. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you're not really all the way there. You're tired or you're exhausted or you still mad about something or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's probably not wise for you to make a decision right now at this moment or even talk to people because, you know, you're a little agitated. And when you're agitated, you have this type of response, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what are you up to and how can the listeners find more of your stuff and interact with you? Um. Well, right now, I just finished my book called From Grit to Greatness, Harnessing the Five Pillars of the Militant Grind. So brand new author as of this uh this Saturday. Congratulations. Um, out. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. So just working on promotions, um, you know, doing more podcasts, things like that, also dealing with clients when it comes to mindset coaching or coaching period. Um, just due to my background and the various things that I'm interested in, you know, it could be financial services or it could be fitness or it could just be overall mindset coaching and development. So just dealing with uh, different people as far as in that realm. Um, also, I have a po I'm a podcast host, too, for uh, the Militant Grind podcast. And people can find me on militantgrind.com. Um, on that website, there, there are all my links. Um, if you want to look me up on Instagram, my Instagram username is daddy, D-A-D-D-Y, W-A-R, War Locks, L-O-C-S. Yeah, that's a good domain name. How did you get that one? Um, honestly, I have no idea how I <laughs> even came up with because usually when I'm thinking of a business name, 
you know, it kind of like I kind of go through a, a, you know, like, OK, what about this? What about this? But this just came to me. And luckily, the domain was available because I don't I don't even start a business until I know the domain is available, you know, because yeah. it's like it's a waste of time. So, yeah, I came up with the name. The domain was available. It's kind of like the only business out there. So, yeah, man, the way it happened was kind of surreal because I was like, it does seem like something that somebody else would think of. But luckily, (laughs) luckily, I'm the only one that has, you know? Yeah, I I always like to shout out the better better domain names that I get because uh, sometimes people have to acquire them in creative ways. You know, sometimes right. people just buck up for them, but it's, you know, when you see a good domain name, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And there's usually a lot of energy chasing someone down for it. So right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real, seriously, because a lot of people start businesses and they're like, what about this domain? And I'm like, no, like who is going to remember that? Who's going to think that it's a dot org or dot whatever, you know? Yeah. So the you dot to think biz of- is my favorite. Yeah. You I know, started like- seeing those. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's got to remember that you know if it's yeah. not dot com the average person is not got to remember and they're not going to remember a dash or if you spell it different than the normal you know so yeah, yeah. so it, it is quite interesting man but yeah definitely it's a blessing that um it was available and it definitely was cheap so yeah uh, you know regular price awesome well it was great having you i encourage everybody to go check them out over on militantgrind.com i'm also gonna put those other links in the description thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode we're twice a week so episodes are on monday and on friday so make sure you don't miss a single episode of disruptive minds podcast